Welcome to today's Thelcom podcast, recorded on Sunday the 10th of January. I'm your host, David Lilly, and this show shares eight simple methods, proven methods for you to calm and control your anxiety. Now, anxiety and depression are challenging enough to cope with during what people would regard as normal times. To quantify this statement, according to the website Our World in Data, Globally, an estimated 284 million people experience an anxiety disorder or they have in recent years, making it the most prevalent mental health or neurodevelopment disorder. Around 63%, which is 179 million of that number of female, compared to 105 million men. In all countries, women are more likely to experience anxiety disorders than men. Now, in the midst of a global pandemic, the indications are that some people's struggles in this regard are literally off the scale. And lockdowns are making some face-to-face therapies that people would normally get very challenging and pushing people towards self-help, which is what today's broadcast is about. Now, this podcast doesn't provide you with hype-filled promises of miraculous cures for your anxiety and depression. What I do offer is eight practical and proven suggestions that can really help you to cope. And these are exactly the techniques I use to keep myself mentally strong. More on my story of anxiety a little later. Now, before we get into these eight suggestions, I want to try and address some of the most common causes of anxiety and depression. Close to the top of the list are financial challenges and health-related anxiety, both of which fuel uncertainty in our lives. We all know that we need large portions of certainty going on in our world, and there are just some things we need to feel sure about. If we've got too much uncertainty going on around us, then our fight-or-flight response is in high alert, and the cortisol, which is the chemical that our bodies can create too much of, is brought into play. A little bit more on the science of the fight-or-flight aspects later on in the podcast. Many of the people who struggle the most with anxiety find it impossible to step back mentally and to adopt the calm and logical approach that's needed to settle down and calm an overactive mind in order to either manage anxiety or to overcome it completely. Some of the symptoms of anxiety are aspects such as shallow breathing, a racing mind, a general feeling of pessimism and impending doom. In some cases, an awful feeling of lightheadedness that makes you feel like you're going to pass out, disorientation, and even heart palpitations can occur. In my experience, all of these symptoms are interlinked, and often the hardest thing to do is to force oneself to break the pattern of thinking into and concentrating on these mind and body sensations, standing up, taking long, deep breaths through the nose, and challenging the mind to think away from the physical effects of the symptoms and towards more positive memories and what I call distracting thoughts. I've set aside some lifetime memories and experience and other thinking patterns that pull me away from the undesirable physical sensations that often accompany anxiety. Many anxiety sufferers practice what I call conscious breathing, Sometimes they use essential oils such as lavender, and the people who can master these mental distractions and overlay techniques often report remarkable improvements in their anxiety. With the symptoms of anxiety being so debilitating and sometimes even frightening, it can be hard for the sufferer to comprehend and accept that such basic solutions can be highly effective. 
More often than not, therapists prescribe some of the most basic solutions and they do actually work. I refer to some things like breathing techniques because I've used them successfully myself. Slow and rhythmic deep breathing through the nose, and that's important. General walks in amongst nature, where you deliberately focus on the sounds, the smells, and the visual aspects of what's going on around you, the leaves on the trees brustling in the wind. Just be really sensitive to what's going on around you. Combining this with deliberate experiential thinking and positive reflections have provided a sustainable remedy for me. And the things that I do now have become habit form. I've ingrained them into my life. And I'm not sure I'd be able to function in the same way now without them. All of that said, the unique and unprecedented impact of the coronavirus, what people call COVID-19, has added a deeper fuel to many people's justification for anxiety. As we look at this subject, the statistics have revealed that we should all exercise extreme caution when it comes to protecting ourselves from a possible COVID-19 infection. This virus is real and it's dangerous. And so being anxious about avoiding it is just a natural type of anxiety that many people will suffer from. As far as avoiding COVID-19 is concerned, all you can do is your best. You can socially distance, you can wear your face mask and you can keep your hands constantly clean. Financial impact is another source of anxiety. Now, given government lockdown, some people's income has been badly affected. Depending on what country you live in, your government may have put provisions in place to help you financially, but this may not be at a level to set aside some very real money worries. And I'm not going to try and play down just how difficult financial issues are for those people who are suffering from them. What I will reinforce, however, is that it's never any use or value to spend any mental energy worrying about things that you cannot influence. I'm going to repeat that because I think it's really important. There's no value or use in spending time or mental energy worrying about things that you cannot influence. Over the years, this is something that I've ingrained as a philosophy into my own mind with the declaration, why worry about what you cannot influence? So how do I manage this? I take a situation or a challenge and I ask myself a few basic questions. I usually do this in my journal or on a notepad or a scrap of paper. Firstly, I ask myself, can I do anything to influence or change this situation or the aspect that is worrying me? This usually gives me a yes or a no answer. Secondly, and if the answer is yes, I ask myself specifically what I can do about the situation. What actions can I take and when and how will I take these actions? If the answer to the questions are no, particularly that first one, what can I do about it? Then I remove the pressure and expectation from myself and I mentally let go. If there is nothing I can do, allowing worries about the situation to expand only has the power to take me towards a negative place and can damage my mental health. So I consciously choose not to allow that to happen. If I conclude that there is something I can do, I make a plan and I take the action needed to address my worries. Developing this ability to either take action to remedy your worries or to detach yourself from unfounded worries when there is nothing you can do is good for your health and definitely will help you with your anxiety. There are many good reasons for you to fight anxiety and find solutions for it. One of them is an accepted fact that anxiety suppresses the immune system. 
right now we all need a strong immune system. Now, according to a gentleman by the name of David Tolin, who is PhD and Director of the Anxiety Disorders Centre at Hartford Hospital's Institute of Living, he declares that stress and anxiety have a tremendous impact on our immune system. He commented, and I quote him as follows, We know excess levels of stress produce hormonal changes that lower the body's resistance to colds and other infections. When we experience such anxiety-related stress, our body responds by sending defense signals to the endocrine system, which then triggers the release of various hormones designed to prepare the body for an emergency. In doing that, the hormones, particularly cortisol, also depresses the immune system. Increased levels of cortisol can decrease white blood cells and inflammation while increasing tumor development and growth and the overall rate of infection. And so there you have it, a quote from David Tolin. Very good reasons for you to have a plan and solutions for you to address your anxiety. You don't want your anxiety to make your immune system weaker. So with that, let's now get into some of those eight specific areas that can help you. The first one may seem incredibly simple. Number one, be careful how much negative news that you choose to watch. Now remember, it's you choosing to watch that negative news. In light of COVID-19, it's important to know the developing news facts so that you can protect yourself and take all precautions. However, obsessively watching and reading the same news item over and over again is not going to help you. I've already mentioned the impact of uncertainty. None of us know for sure how the COVID-19 pandemic is going to play out. Immersing yourself in this subject and uncertainty is just not going to help. I recommend trying to watch the news on the subject once a day and try to do this during the middle of the day, certainly not late at night. Taking the information that you need to know and then concentrate on more positive uses of your time. Don't watch negative news late at night, as this will most probably affect your sleep. Now, I tend to listen to BBC Radio 4 News at 6 o'clock. I figure that's early enough in the evening for me to wash away any negative thoughts. And you can either listen to that news live or on a podcast. And depending on where you're listening to this podcast in the world, I'm sure you've got the equivalent of BBC Radio's four six o'clock news. Now, as well as this, I'm in a Facebook group for positive people. In this group, there are no negative posts in there. People post inspirational images, positive experiences, and I also take in news from what's known as the Good News Network website. And you can find that at goodnewsnetwork.org that's goodnewsnetwork.org and as you'll see from that website there are many positive events happening in the world right now and that website is definitely worth having amongst your favorites because it shares some of those positive stories the second area is to discover and practice mind and body calming techniques i'm sure we all choose to relax in different ways a lot of anxious people actually probably don't relax at all one of the best and most acknowledged ways to address anxiety is through your breathing now it's common knowledge that people use the technique of breathing into a brown paper bag to quell a bad panic attack and this technique is helpful during particularly bad one because it can help regulate what's known as hyperventilation hyperventilation which is perhaps best described as over breathing happens when you have rapid or shallow breathing and so people having an anxiety or panic attack sometimes hyperventilate. So when you hyperventilate, you exhale too much air. This can decrease the amount of carbon dioxide, CO2, 
that you have in your blood. I know some of you probably listened to that and saying, well, isn't less carbon dioxide good for you? Well, actually having very low carbon dioxide levels in your blood causes an imbalance in your body. Low carbon dioxide also leads to low oxygen levels. This can lower blood and oxygen flow to your brain. I'm not saying that you should be quick to pull a brown paper bag out, as this is something that's used in severe case of hyperventilation. However, if you feel particularly anxious, you might want to try simple deep breathing techniques. I recommend taking slow and deliberate deep breaths through your nose. It's important that you do it through your nose. And if anybody's wondering why I'm saying that, you need to read a book called Breathe, which explains why breathing through the nose and not the mouth is better for you. So when you breathe deeply through your nose, try to fill your lungs completely. Then hold your breath for a count of three, and then exhale. Do this for several minutes. I sometimes do this when I'm out for a walk. I'll do it for up to 15 minutes. Other times, I'll just sit at home and do it in a comfortable chair. Another method of relaxing is taking a warm bath. Now, I'm careful not to have the bath too hot as i have found that having a hot bath can actually cause the heart to race i like to have a pleasant aroma going on in my bathroom i do that or I achieve that with a few drops of lavender oil in the bath water and i also often have three or four candles and the light switched off it's just beautiful tranquil and calming to have a bath in the flickering candlelight a practice known as mindfulness has also become common and effective in easing anxiety mindfulness is bringing full focus and attention of an experience in the moment how do i practice this well when the weather's good i.e the floor's not wet i sit beneath an oak tree at the edge of a small valley close to my home in derbyshire it's about 10 minute walk away from where i live i carefully take in and savor all the things that my eyes can see i'm conscious of the gentle breeze the sunshine or the cold depending on what season it is on my cheeks and sometimes the rain on my bald head occasionally um it starts to rain while you sat there. I take in the smells and feel the temperature. I'm conscious of the thoughts that my environment are triggering. It really does help to actually just stop and pause and be fully aware of where you are in the moment. Now, if you want to explore mindfulness, you could try the free Ukla Mindful app. That's spelled U-C-L-A, Ukla Mindful. And that's an app developed by the University of California. It's completely free. You can also search on YouTube for mindfulness exercises. There are some very good tutorials on there and they're all free of course and i've linked one of them in the show notes to this podcast the third area is to move your body now let me tell you a little bit of my experience with anxiety i had a period of anxiety that lasts for several months starting in 2016 now this came as a massive surprise to me as i wouldn't describe myself as being of the physical makeup to suffer from anxiety i'm a very confident person i'm not of a nervous disposition all of the things that I wrongly associated with anxiety. Now, at the time, I was so incredibly busy. I was being forced to spend 14 hours at my desk to stay on top of my workload. As a business consultant, you know, with multiple clients, it was challenging to stay on top. And when I wasn't at my desk, I'd be running around on trains up and down the country or driving up and down the UK. And I swear that a huge part of my problem was that I was just not getting enough exercise during that time. I'm now four years on from the school of truly believing that movement creates energy and that we need to ensure we are moving our bodies throughout the day. In my experience, energetic and active people are less likely to suffer from anxiety. 
So I now walk four miles almost every day, and when I can, I walk farther than that, sometimes six miles, quite frequently in fact, and then occasionally when the weather's nice, as many as 12 miles. I also do some very basic stretching exercises in the morning, and I frequently use a multi-gym that I've got in a fitness room in the garden for upper body exercise. Now, I'm 53 years of age. I'm not trying to be a bodybuilder. I'm not competing professionally in anything physically, but moving my body is something that I'm conscious of every day, and it's definitely been one of the most effective anti-anxiety techniques for me. But the compound effect of doing all of the eight things that I'm sharing with you now has given me the freedom from anxiety, and long may that continue. As I take my exercise, sometimes I walk in nature, as I've already mentioned, and I practice mindfulness. Other times I walk and listen to a thought-provoking podcast or an entertaining and riveting book from Audible. And when I'm walking, I don't actually let the rain stop me. In fact, I actually enjoy the sound of the pattering rain on the hood of my coat. I find the sound quite therapeutic. So for me, walking definitely feeds my soul and massages my mind in the right way. And I would put walking and getting some physical exercise as one of the key things to do to address your anxiety. Area number four is to focus on positive interactions and pastimes. What do I mean by that? So someone who suffers from anxiety and depression should not consume dark and negative television content. There's such a lot of this negative stuff on on Netflix, let's say, where it's a series about a serial killer or someone dying. Now, I'm not saying that some of this stuff can't be interesting, but if you're suffering from anxiety, my recommendation is you steer clear of that sort of viewing. You might not think it's having an effect, but the compound effect alongside everything else is likely. If you want to watch television or Netflix Try to watch positive, inspiring and feel-good films. Do a simple Google search for feel-good, happy, inspiring films and you'll find a long list of things that you can watch. Also, connecting with your loved ones via telephone or video chat, which obviously we're all forced to do in COVID-19 lockdowns, is a good practice. As well as this, I'm also aware of all the people who've had a positive impact on me. So all their faces are flashing into my mind now. Paul Lee, Claire Cahill, to name just a few. And I try to interact with them as much as I can. That might be on Facebook Messenger, it might be on phone calls, it might be on Zoom calls. But make a list of the most positive and inspiring people that you know and commit to spending as much time around them as possible. And obviously, right now, at the recording time of this podcast, probably going to involve you talking to them on the phone or Zooming. Area number five is music therapy. It's a basic suggestion, but listen to music that lifts your mood and makes you feel positive and happy. I'm sure we all know, and we can all think of tunes, that when they come on on the radio, our feet start to tap immediately. There's a, an uplift in our mood. We just love that song. You know, some of us are known to comment, wow, I love this song, because the song makes us feel good. If you don't have a list of all the songs that you know that make you feel good, spend some time making that list. Now, I don't think any of us need us to read a scientific study to know that certain types of music can immediately alter our moods and emotions in a good sense. But if you do need convincing, both Harvard University and the NHS here in the United Kingdom acknowledge that music therapy can have a positive impact on anxiety and depression. A Google search will also introduce you to many music therapists. Now, I've linked a YouTube video for you to check out in the show notes with three hours of relaxing, anxiety-melting music. This is not the type of music, it's what's known as instrumental music, but 
By all means, find your own. I'm happy to share one which helps me. Area number six is consider using essential oils. Now, this suggestion is never far away from the list of recommendations that a therapist would make to you. I mentioned the power of lavender oil earlier in the podcast. Now, I actually wear what I call a Thelcom bracelet, which anchors me to the Thelcom formula that this podcast is about. Obviously, we're not talking about that today. But that Thelcom bracelet is made of porous volcanic rock. So if I put a few drops of lavender oil on my bracelet, I find that the smell lasts for 48 hours and the smell of the oil remains present around me from the bracelet. So just, you know, if I'm sat at my desk, I can smell it. I get a whiff of it. I can only tell you to try it to see whether it has the same effect on you. Some people also put a few drops of lavender oil in their bath, on their pillow or in an oil diffuser, which are cheap enough to buy. You can pick up an oil diffuser now for about 10 to 15 pounds or you can burn lavender infused candles. So if you haven't tried lavender oil as part of your remedy for tackling anxiety, I definitely recommend it. You can buy small bottles of it quite cheaply. It's easy to buy it from Amazon. For those of you who like to read proof on such product recommendations, there are a fair few studies that you can read on the efficacy of lavender oil for use of anxiety and insomnia. I've shared a link to one such study in the show notes if you want to check that out. I know some people like to see evidence. Area number seven is to develop an interest or a hobby that interests or excites you. Now, my desktop research suggests that some, not all, but some anxiety sufferers report having a sedentary lifestyle and they don't invest in hobbies that stimulate them. A lot of anxiety sufferers literally spend many hours just sat watching TV or on their phone. If you're listening to this and you are not one of those people, I'm not trying to offend you, but it's what my desktop research suggests. So many acute anxiety sufferers report having no hobbies. Now, me personally, I've got many hobbies and interests. Reading, photography, walking, film production, creative writing, to name just a few. I also enjoy the escapism, as I would call it, offered to me from certain YouTube videos about subjects such as bushcraft, people going on wild camping expeditions, and van life, people driving around the world, literally staying somewhere different every day, enjoying nature, spectacular scenery, people extracting maximum enjoyment from life's simple treasures and the great outdoors. So think of something that you're interested in and passionate about and see how you can make something physical out of it, maybe a hobby. If you're struggling with that, then accomplishing tasks such as cleaning clothes, tidying out junk drawers, sheds and garages can also feel quite rewarding. Decluttering can feel quite rewarding. Interestingly, decluttering, or having a tidy environment is another thing that can help reduce anxious thoughts. And the final area, area number eight, is humour and laughter. I'm sure we can all think of those times when we've had a belly laugh, where we've just been in and around people and we've had such a laugh, you can almost feel the positive adrenaline flowing when you're in that environment. Some of the greatest times in life is when humour and laughter are present. As I consider this, I know we've all got different sense of humour, but there's always something out there for everyone. Now, if you can't be around your friends or friends that make you laugh right at this point, you can probably take in a bit of carefully selected TV. Now, if I'm feeling particularly low, I might stick on something like the British comedy series The Royal Family, which always gets me smiling with their ironic humour as does the old show Gavin and Stacey. And my two little girls particularly like watching the American cult series Friends. And I have to say, some of the humour in that is is actually really funny. You can't help but smile at it. 
And there's another one called Shit's Creek, which is on on Netflix again. Some of the humour in that is really funny and gets you belly laughing. There's now a movement also called Laughter Therapy. Again, take a little time to Google the subject. There are many practitioners out there who would support you to try Laughter Therapy over a video call. And believe me, I've tried it. These people can actually get you really, really laughing. And although it feels slightly uncomfortable at first, you just find yourself laughing hysterically watching someone laugh actually triggers you to want to laugh and it's almost impossible to avoid so let me run through those eight areas again quickly now number one control what you read and watch on the news don't be taking in negative news all the time look out happy news network and concentrate on just consuming the amount of news that you need don't wallow in the deep depressing stuff that's going on right now related to covid19 Try that deep breathing exercise that I mentioned to you earlier. Deep breaths for 15 minutes through the nose. Also check out mindfulness. Get yourself into a daily exercise routine. If you are fit and well enough to be able to walk around about four miles, then do it. Walk further if you can. Try to walk in nature, walk in woodland or in the countryside where you've got breathtaking views that you just can't help but look at and be inspired by. Put yourself around the most positive people you know. Make a list of those positive people. Think of the environments that you like to spend time in when you are happiest and when you're anxiety-free and concentrate on putting yourself in those environments. Think about the power of positive music. If you haven't got a list of tracks that inspire you, there are bound to be songs that you've listened to over the years that make you happy, that make you want to tap your feet. Make a list of those of those songs. Have a Spotify list or a YouTube list. You can create these things for free on YouTube. You don't need to invest money in creating a music playlist. Try essential oils. The main one I'm going to recommend is lavender oil. Do a little bit of research to convince yourself this is worthwhile. Lavender oil really isn't expensive. Consider developing a hobby if you haven't got one already. If you have got interests, see how you might convert that interest into something deeper, like a hobby. And find reasons to laugh. If you are going to watch TV, you are going to watch series on Netflix, then watch things that get you giggling and laughing, or spend time around people that make you laugh. I'll close by saying that if you are worried that your symptoms are more than anxiety, so anybody, for example, that's feeling faint or having pains in the chest should immediately seek medical help. It's only if you know you've been prescribed as someone that suffers from anxiety should you try some of the things that I'm suggesting now. And if you start having thoughts about self-harm, then please seek out help immediately. There are many sources of professional help out there, and I've listed one such source in the show notes you've been listening to the Thelcom podcast i'm your host david lilly if you've enjoyed this podcast you've taken value from it and you know someone who's suffering from anxiety and this podcast and the suggestions i contain might help then please share it with them and if you have enjoyed it why not give it a positive review and subscribe to future editions of the Thelcom podcast there are many Thelcom episodes that you can listen back over if you found this one thank you for your time today